When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on, everybody? This is another episode of Catfish on Ice with Chad Minton and my co-host, Kyle Perkins, joining me from the beautiful state of Kentucky. How are you doing tonight, Kyle? Doing pretty good. How about yourself? Doing good. Uh, Kyle's filling in full-time for Rich, who is, uh, of course, going to the game tomorrow night. He's going to the next game coming down to Nashville, so it, Kyle's filling in full-time tonight on Catfish and Ice episode 101. Yep, we're going to have us a good one tonight. Got a few, uh, a little bit of draft talk and a little bit of Canucks talk and a little bit of All-Star talk. There you go. Good stuff there. Yeah, so we are going to be going and looking back at some past Fred's drafts and using that good old hindsight 2020. We're going to look back and see what picks did they make, which players were available when the Preds picked, and we're going to go 2013 to 2016 tonight. That's the uh, draft classes picked tonight. And we're going to have a little fun with this. We don't have a game tonight, so uh, it's going to be a little look into some of those draft classes figure out should the Preds have maybe picked a different player should they be happy with that player they picked it be a lot of fun to look back on that stuff we're going to preview the Vancouver Canucks game on Tuesday night the third time these two teams have met so uh, they've split the season series so far one to one I don't know how you feel about it uh, Kyle I feel like the Canucks are a hard team to figure out they started off really bad, but now they got Bruce Boudreaux in there and they're starting to figure some things out. They've been playing really well. Uh, the last few games, they they went on a heck of a streak there right when Bruce got hired. And they've just, they've been a good team here lately. Um, I'm trying to look and see where they're at, like power ranking wise. I'm sure they're still, there's 22nd in the power rankings, but it just, they they've been winning games. They've been winning games against good teams. So that's a I won't say it's a trap game because they've already beat Nashville once. So yeah, you you just it's one you need to win. But and of, and of course they got Thatcher Demko and Net. And I I'm sorry, but I feel like he's one of those goaltenders, much like Soros is in a that just doesn't get enough national recognition like he should. Thatcher Demko is a really good goaltender. I would expect him to be in net for that game. We'll see. The Canucks did play tonight, and I think they had Halak in net. They did. So you will see Thatcher Demko most likely tomorrow night on Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, Demko is – well, he's he's been a – 
great goalie on a bad team so far this year, mm-hmm. and now he's a great goalie on a team that's playing well. So exactly. The good so thing we're gonna is break, we're gonna break it. We're gonna break down that matchup a little bit more. We'll save it a little later in this episode. We're gonna preview it for everybody. I mean, when you're seeing a, a team for the third time already this early in the season, a team that's not even in your own division, that's a little bit weird. I found that kind of strange that you're already playing a team for a third time that's not in your division this early in the – I mean, it's not early in the season, but, like, we just the midway point. So it's a little bit uh, a little bit weird. So uh, these two teams got to know each other pretty well by now that they're going to be playing each other for a third time. Yeah, they, there's some familiarity, and you know, some of those games have been a uh, kind of nasty, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, they there's not a not a lot of love there in between those teams. So, Mm-mm. and then of course we're gonna do our clutch performers of the week because it is Monday. I've already put my clutch performers out. I want to hear what Kyle has to say about those picks, and also if he's got another player or two to throw in there. We will share those, and then, of course, we will round out the episode with some other NHL quick hitters, including the NHL All-Star Weekend that's coming up shortly. We've got the NHL Skills Competition, which I always find way more entertaining than the game itself. I don't know about Kyle. Oh, absolutely. I don't watch the game. I'll watch the (laughs) skills competition. (laughs) And the NHL added a couple new competitions that, oddly enough, they seem cheesy. But I'm kind of intrigued. I don't know. Like, it's in Las Vegas this year. So, uh, they a- added a new competition with a fountain involved. And players are going to have to take boat out to this, like, floating rink. I don't know. It sounds cheap, but for whatever reason, my simple mind is very intrigued right now, Kyle. Oh, I love it. And it's the fountain <laughs> that... I- it's the fountain at the Bellagio, which Ovi and the Caps went swimming in after the cup win. Uh, so if there's not an Alex Ovechkin in that fountain, I'm going to be so disappointed. And the whole weekend will be a, just a giant failure to me. But it, I think what it is is they're going to go out there and they've got like these little circular targets out in the fountain and they have to like chip a puck and get it in those targets. So, uh, Hey, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I can't wait to watch it. It's just fun. I, I And, you know, that's what it should be. It should be fun. Yeah. For sure. All right. So we will round out the episode talking about NHL All-Star Weekend, including Roman. He is indeed going to be an All-Star uh, because Nathan McKinnon will not be in it. And who else? I think there was another player, too. But, uh. Uh, I know, sure I know McKinnon, McKinnon was the big one. Yeah. Uh, Roman Yossi will be participating in the NHL All-Star Weekend. That So we got UC Soros and Roman Yossi to watch as Preds fans in NHL All-Star Weekend. So that'll be good to see. Uh, so yeah, let's get into it. This is episode 101 of Catfish on Ice with Chad Minton and Kyle Perkins. Brought to you by DraftKings and part of the Hockey podcast network let's dive into it with the opening face off and that is looking back at past preds draft classes let's go ahead and go in chronological order here kyle let's start with 2013 i've got it written down here that was the draft none other than a player we just brought up nathan mckinnon went number one overall 
in that draft. The Preds had the fourth pick overall, one of the highest picks they've ever had in their history, excluding their inaugural season when they picked second overall and took David Legwine. And they took Seth Jones. And at the time, it was a very good pick. Everyone loved it. You're, we all know that this franchise has always been known for going for the defensemen, the homegrown defensemen, and whatnot. But the Ryan Johansson trade happened. And here's where we are. Uh, Kyle, looking back on it now, it's so easy to look back on draft classes now, but that, this is why we're doing this because it's a lot of fun. It's really interesting to look back on it now. Kyle, what do you think looking on that 2013 draft class and the Preds taking Seth Jones and what all transpired after that? Well, I think it it's worked out about as well as it could. Um, you look, you go down. There's there's some good players down below them. I actually somebody who plays for the Preds is on the in the first round on this draft. If you look number twenty five at Montreal, um, mm-hmm. Michael McCarron. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Oh wow! I didn't even notice that. That's good. Yeah. Yep. Um. So. I'm still kind of salty looking back at this that Florida took uh, Sasha Barkov uh, because I know that's who Nashville was all in. That's who they're going to pick. And then they picked him out of nowhere. Uh, But taking Seth Jones, developing him, and getting the return you got for him. uh, Johansson hadn't lived up to it the entire time he's been in Nashville, but he's lived up to it enough that it's – been pretty worthwhile especially 2017 when the Preds made the cup run Ryan Johansson was a big part of that playoff run until he got injured and unfortunately could not play in the cup final and to this day I always look back and think what if Ryan Johansson is able to play in that Stanley Cup because he was on a tear that year. He really was. He was playing great for the Preds on that playoff run, you know, when they swept the Blackhawks. Then they beat the St. Louis Blues in the second round. Then they beat the Anaheim Ducks in the Western Conference Final to go to the Stanley Cup Final. If Ryan Johansson is available in that Stanley Cup, who knows what would have happened. But, yes, you got to look back on it now and think, the Preds made the right pick. They made the pick that everyone thought they should make at the time. Seth Jones was the best defenseman in that draft. And that was what the organization wanted. That's what they prided themselves on is getting homegrown defensemen. And they decided to make a a trade, a big trade to get Ryan Johansson. And I feel like it worked out more in the Preds favor than it did for what the Blue Jackets ended up getting out of Seth Jones. Let's be honest here. Yeah, absolutely. If you look down in this draft in the third round. Oh, is where, you get is that far where, back. <laughs> is, where, is where Nashville messed up. Okay. They took at number 64, Jonathan Ismail Diaby. Oh, I'm looking I've at never, it. I've never heard of this, this, this gentleman. <laughs> If you go down to 75 and 77, you have Pavel Buchnevich and Jake Uh, uh, And a little bit down, Anthony Duclair, Carter Verhage. Yeah. (laughs) 
Even Matias Yanmark. I mean, you got Yanmark there. He's been yeah. a solid. I mean, once you get deep into these draft classes, it really starts hurting because it really does. It's really not a perfect science once you get that deep into a draft. But uh, there's always some gems, man. There's always some gems deep in a draft, and you just never know. Pecorine is a, exhibit A for the Preds when it comes to oh, uh, yeah. late gems in a draft. But uh, even looking in that first round, though, in that 2013 draft, um, not saying that the Preds made the wrong pick with Seth Jones, but you still look at it, man. The Preds have always had a hard time drafting effectively when it comes to elite-level forwards. And you look at some of the players that went after Seth Jones. You see uh, Bo, Bo Hor- Horvat of the Canucks, who's had a nice little career. You look at Max Domi who went 12th overall. He's been a solid player, almost 300 career points now. So, I mean, those are two players that kind of stood out that was like, okay, maybe it would have been nice for the Preds to have taken them at the time. But, you know, either way, really can't knock the Preds too hard for taking Seth Jones in that pick. I mean, that was the right pick. Everyone thought it was at the time. Uh, Nashville's best and worst players were also – taken in the same draft in the same round. UC Soros, fourth round, number 99, and Ben Harper, fourth round at 108. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, UC Soros taking 99th overall. Wow, yeah. And I'm pretty sure that's, like, turned out to be one of the best fourth round picks. One of the best fourth round picks you can make. You're taking your franchise goaltender in the fourth round. I mean, that's just... Good catch there, Kyle. Yeah. Um, I knew he was taken like mid, mid-level, mid but I, I forgot that he was fourth round that far back. So that would be mm-hmm. cool to see there. Um, ben Harper, wow, got taken by the Ottawa Senators at 108. Here. Yeah. You look deep in these draft classes, though, and you're just like, wow. All right, let's go to 2014. Let's see what the Reds did that season. So that was – they had the, the 11th Kevin overall Fiala pick. draft. <laughs> yes. And once again, we're dealing with a pick that was a really good pick, but the front office made a move, made a trade, and we never got to see the full long-term effect of that player in Nashville. Kevin Fiala, of course, was traded for Mikael Granlund. And going into this season, I think we all regretted that trade. But all of a sudden now, Mikael Granlund's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got something to say about that. And now we're like looking at that trade and we're like, okay, maybe we're not that mad about it. But Kevin Fiala's turned out to be a very quality player in this league, of course. So the pick itself wasn't bad, but let's look back on it now. Do we like the trade? Are we liking the trade now, Kyle? I, I like Grand the trade. Fiala. I like the trade, but there's a, there's a couple of guys on down the way that kind of make me sad, uh, especially yeah. – Especially the gentleman number twenty-five going to Boston. No, oh, no. Po- I mean, <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh, Pasternak went twenty-fifth overall to Boston. So many teams passed on him. I really had no clue he went that low, uh, and I'm frankly shocked. Dylan Larkin uh, from Detroit. He's a great Another player. Good one. Uh, yep. There's. Several. That was a really good draft. Really, really good draft. Alex uh, Tuck. I mean, Alex Tuck's turned out to be a good player. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, that's, that's good. Yeah. Robbie Fabry's a good player. You've got Tony D'Angelo is an excellent player. He's a terrible person, but he's, mm-hmm. he's a good player. I mean, just, just judging the player itself. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, we won't go into good, bad otherwise, but you're, um, that was a loaded top end draft. I mean, Ed Reinhardt, dry Sam Bennett, uh, that's pretty good. Little top four, four there, not, uh, Nylander. Yeah. Uh, and I think Fiala, if he hits the right system, he'll be a good player. Um, uh, but at the moment, because the winner of a trade is going to evolve all the time. Uh, if they trade Fiala again and get somebody amazing for him, will that count against the trade from Nashville? Will that yeah. be a negative against Nashville for making that trade? So that's, it's really hard to grade. Mm. Okay. So I, this is going to blow everyone's mind. We were just talking about how we couldn't believe that uh, Pasternak went so late. How about the fact that Braden Point went in the third round of that draft? Huh. I mean, come on. Come on out. I mean. Wow. He went 79th overall to Tampa. Uh, let's see. Where did the Preds pick? They they picked twice. Yeah, oh, they picked God. twice. They picked, And they picked two players who never did anything for them. Jack Dor a, a defenseman, and then they picked Justin Kirkland. So 17 picks before Tampa took Braden Point, the Preds took Justin Kirkland. Yeah. Big jeez. Uh, and, and we're not coming down on just the Preds. I mean, we're talking about pretty much the entire league passed up on Braden Point. So this isn't just like coming down heavily on the Preds. This is more like Wow, drafting is not a perfect science, clearly. Because you see a player like Braden Point go to the third round, and now he's a big part of why the Tampa Bay Lightning are back-to-back cup champions right yeah. now. So, just crazy to Na- think about. But Nashville got a pretty good steal in the fourth that year, too, in Victor Arvidsson. Oh, yeah. For, for sure. That's kind of what you so, love about – I feel like it's way – Hockey drafting is like so much different than um, all of your other major sports. I feel like you get way more steals. It's way more an inexact science than it is the NFL uh, and the NBA, your two other major sports. Uh, As far as just, I mean, you just really don't know. I mean, your first round, yeah, especially your top 10, usually feel pretty good about you're getting a generational type of player most most mm-hmm. likely but these second third and fourth round gems you just don't know what you're taking and it's proof right there looking at these uh at 2004 oh yeah absolutely it's you're you're getting such a raw unfinished product with uh most hockey players they're mm-hmm. 17 to 18 years old most of the time when they're drafted so God, they're just—it's—it's <laughs> it's a crapshoot. You're—you're you're betting on futures. Um, so going you to never 2000, know. yeah, going Go to 2015. 
Preds, let's see where the Preds picked there. They didn't even pick in the first round of 2015. And their second round pick, let's see. Wow. So they took Yakov Trenin with their first pick of 2015 at number 55 overall. Let's go ahead and give them a very good um, – I'll give him a solid A of a grade on that pick <laughs> to take Yakov uh, Trenin that late. A guy who's going to be a solid third liner for you, absolutely. I'll take it all day long. That's you didn't have a you're talking about a draft where you didn't have a first round pick. I'd have to go back and do some digging on why they didn't have a first round pick. I I don't have that written down in front of me, but for whatever reason, they didn't have a first round pick in that year's draft. And to go and find a player like Yakov Trenin in the second round like that, I mean, that's just that's good. Looking back on it now, that's that's really good. Of course, we could probably – I mean, I'm looking at it now. We could probably find a couple of players that maybe they would have been better off taking. But, again, I don't see anything that really stands out like eye-opening where you're like, wow, maybe they shouldn't have taken Trenton. They should have taken this player. I'm not really seeing a player where they just completely screwed up. And this is actually looking like a really solid draft class when you really look at it. Because then they took 85th overall. They took Tommy Novak, which we're all hoping that Novak can get healthy. And eventually, we expect him to eventually make his way back to the NHL. He absolutely earned it. So they took him at 85th overall. Then, 116th overall, or 115th overall, I'm sorry, they took Alexander Carrier. You want to talk about three great picks in a row, mid-round draft picks? That's that's strong to take Trennan, Novak, and Carrier. I mean, come on, and, that's uh, pretty impressive, Kyle. You missed one. Uh, they actually picked one hundred one hundred as well. Uh, Anthony oh, yeah. Richard, Tony. I did Rick. miss that. And yeah, he's, and he he's he's still tearing it up in Milwaukee. So. Yeah. I, I, my apologies, my apologies to Anthony Richard for skipping over you because uh, you are a very vital part of the Milwaukee Admirals and and uh, another really good pick for the system. So uh, yeah, that, that's four probe they made. How hard is it for a GM to to really, you know, really hit a home run? Now I wouldn't call it a home run, but definitely they 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 made really strong picks, four picks in a row in that draft. That's hard yeah. to do. I mean, to get for what uh, Carrier has evolved into, uh, fourth round is a pretty good steal for him. That's, I think that's right. that's a win. This isn't an indictment on the Preds, but there's one player that went in the fifth round that is absolutely lighting up the NHL right now. Hit a hundred points faster than an elite company when it comes to how quick he hit 100 career points. And that is, of course, Kirill Kaprizov. Come on now. Mm-hmm. Kaprizov went in the fifth round of that draft at number 135 overall. I mean, I didn't realize he went that late in that draft. I'm kind of learning I, something tonight. Yeah, um... And it also tells you how long ago he got drafted before he actually started. Um, that round was is actually really good. You've got Troy Terry, who's an all-star this year. Adam Gaudet's a good player in that fifth round. Uh, Connor Garland? 
Connor Garland, Ethan Bear. I really like Ethan Bear. Uh, Edmonton really screwed up. That, by, that, really, that really is a really good round. Wow. To be a fifth round, there's several players that are in the league from that round. And then you've got uh, Andrew Maggiopai for the uh, Flames, who's really taken off right now. Also has already hit the 100-point mark for his career. He went in the sixth round of that – or he went – is that sixth round? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He went in round six that year. So, I mean, you're, that's a that tur- that's turned out to be a really, really good draft all the way around uh, that 2015 draft. Yeah, that, that was – you can't really complain if you're getting guys from up and down all seven rounds that are making the league, then you're, it's pretty solid draft. Let's look at this draft. I mean, look at the top end of it, dude. You've got Connor McDavid, of course, went number one. Jack Eichel went number two. Dylan Strome went number three. Mitch Marner went number four. I mean, and then you've got the Carolina Hurricanes who uh, they whiffed pretty badly. Yeah. Well, not badly, uh, but not, not a player who's – but those top four picks are just, like, all, like, just outstanding picks. Miko Rantanen went in that draft class in the top ten. Yeah, that was a really good – Barzell, Kyle Connor. Connor. Yeah, that, 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 that 2015 draft class is just really amazing top to bottom. I always get confused with uh, the uh, Svechnikov brothers, <laughs> the Evgeny yeah, Svechnikov, and not Andre Svechnikov. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's easy. All right, so let's go to 2016. We're going to stop at the 2016 draft because I really want to go further than that because you really can't make sweeping um, opinions on draft classes for really close really closer than that because it takes so long for your prospects to develop. You really don't know what they're going to do in the NHL. And of course, when it comes to the Preds, they're just now getting to a point where they're starting to get all these prospects into the NHL and learn what they have for the longest time. Thanks to the cup run, they were relying almost completely on veterans up until last season when everyone was shaking their fists, asking for the youth movement, of course. And so we're, we're, gonna, we're not going to go past 2016 with this redraft because really you can't really say one way or the other just, just yet. I mean, you could, but we're going to stop at 2016. So 2016 was the year that Austin Matthews went number one overall to the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'd have to say he made a really good pick there. Uh, can't argue with that. Um, Preds picked number 17 and they took Dante Fabro. Yep. Uh, and And our, our guy, our guy, Luke Cunning, interesting, interestingly enough, went number 15, two picks four to the Minnesota wild. So that's kind of, you know, interesting little nugget there. What's your overall takeaway from that pick? What do you think? Looking Uh, back on it now. Looking around at the guys that are directly around Fabro, he's the best player out of that mm-hmm. bunch. But there's two down at the top of the second round that could be kind of interesting, uh, knowing what you know now. And Alex Debrinkit yep. and Jordan Cairo. Uh, yep, Cairo this year Al- has been amazing. He has. He made an All Star game. 
Yeah. Um, and then Debrinket, Debrinket, Debrinket will be the new face of the Blackhawks after mm-hmm. Kane and Taves, and hopefully. As much as we all dislike the Blackhawks, I think we would like to see the Blackhawks be better. And Debrinket's been the one that's actually stood up and said, "Hey, we need to be better. We can't be what we were." That. So yeah. I I respect the kid for that, and I think he's going to end up being the face of that franchise going forward. So mm-hmm. Debrinket and Kairu, maybe knowing what you know now, but at this time, right. there's no. Those are the two that stood out to me, to Brinkett in particular. And the reason why is, I mean, we all know this. The writing has been on the wall. If you follow this team for any length amount of time, you know this. This franchise has always had a hard time really finding homegrown left wing, right wing scoring talent. It's just never, yep. it's always eluded them. They tried to go out and find it on the open market by signing Matt Duchesne, by getting Mikel Granlin, by, you know, like Ryan Johansson. Like, they've tried, but when it comes to drafting, they've always had a hard time. They, Of course, they drafted Kevin Fiala, and but they traded him away. Um, other than that, it's really hard to find draft picks, early draft picks, first-round draft picks, where they've, like, taken a really good, pure-scoring player. Just hasn't happened. Philip Forsberg was the the steal of all steals. He is not homegrown. He was not drafted for any new Preds fans who are listening tonight. He he might seem like he's homegrown, but the Preds did not draft him. They absolutely robbed him from the Capitals uh, for Martin Erat, whose career was over basically at that point. I'll still never understand why the Capitals made that trade, but we're totally okay with it now. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But I mean, I mean they they did Alexander Radulov. That's one that people think about back in like the mid two thousands. But it's there's so few and far between. The Preds have never been able to draft homegrown scoring wingers. So when you look at this draft class and you see it, Alex DeBrinket, who you could have taken in that spot. As much as I love Dante Fabro, and I'm one of the biggest supporters of Favreau. I think he gets way too much criticism from the fan base. That's one player I look at in that draft class where I'm like, if I could take it back, if I had a time machine, maybe I would take Alex to bring it over Dante Favreau. I I just got to be honest there. Yeah. uh, I'm right there with you. I probably would. Uh, Just because the fact that Nashville's never really had a problem getting or having top end defenders. Uh, in fact, they had to shed Seth Jones. So <laughs> exactly because they, they simply did not have room for him. So, and here's another example when they have drafted scoring type of players, they don't hold on to them. Perfect example. Our guy, Rem Pitlick, they drafted Rem Pitlick in the third round of this draft class we're talking about. And they ended up losing him on waivers for nothing. Which, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm freaking out like some people are about it because honestly, I didn't, I don't know if a lot of room for him on this team. And I don't know if he fits this type of team. But the point is, whenever they do seem to draft players who have a knack for scoring the puck, they don't hold on to these players. Rem Pitlick is a perfect, is another example of that. 
that was they took him in the third round. I think he still has a good future in this league of scoring a lot of goals. Oh yeah. Uh, it's just the fact of rim getting on a team that he fits. Uh, he's going to get to play a lot of top line top six minutes in uh, Montreal because they're bad. Uh, and they they just don't score a lot of goals. So they, they need all the help they can get. And yeah, he seems like he's doing that well there so far. So I'm happy for him. Uh, I agree with you though. Uh, he probably was odd man out in Nashville. Uh, he's not going to knock Trennan and or Jano off of a third line. Uh, they're not going to bench Tomasino in favor of him. Uh, so there's just, there wasn't room. Have you watched Rem Pitlick's press conferences though? He is the most calm, cool and collected customer I've ever seen in my life in press conferences. Oh yeah. Like, Nothing. Phases he's him. just like, I mean, he's just like so, so chill asking all like these reporters are asking him the really tough questions. And he's just like, oh, you know, like, yeah, I didn't play great and I'm getting better. Like, he's just so relaxed. Like, he's like just as chill as chill can be. Like, nothing is going to worry this guy. He's not overly emotional. He even called himself out. I remember the press conference. I think it was when he first got traded. Um, to Minnesota, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. He did this press conference and got asked a really, really tough question. And he's just about his play or why he why he was traded. It was somewhere around those lines. And he's just like, oh, yeah, I, I'm perfect, basically, is what he said. I've got to play better, and I'm working on this. And and But he was so cool and chill the way he said it. And it's like most of the time you don't see that. Most of the time players, they get defensive. They, they don't want to – answer the questions. Rim Pitlick's like, oh no, I'll give you the I'll give you the answer. You know? Oh yeah. I love he just, it. He doesn't care. He's just like, whatever. Okay, cool. And but so the Preds had two picks and two out of three picks there. They picked number 76, they take Rim Pitlick. Then at number 78, they take Frederick Allard, which I don't know if Freddie Allard's ever gonna make a full time role in the NHL, unfortunately. But he's another player that I feel like certainly is great for your prospect system, and he's you, great. You have in Milwaukee to have Admirals. guys in. Uh, you have to have guys in Milwaukee too. Um, exactly. So you've you've got to kind of draft those guys as well. Uh, they don't just grow on trees and show up. So I mean, he's only played in one NHL game so far. So I, I don't know if he'll ever get a full-time role in the NHL, especially in a place like Nashville where the, uh, the assembly line of defensemen is just already so competitive or whatever. But yeah, still not a terrible pick when they took Freddie Allard because he's definitely an important player to the Admirals for sure. So, I mean, you look at the rest of that, rest of that draft. Let's see, the Preds took Patrick Harper – at number 138, he's a, he's an important uh, player to your prospect pool as well. Yeah. Um, he is another one of those leaders in Milwaukee that make that team relevant every year. Um, you can't really, can't really complain. If you're drafting mid-round guys and they make your AHL team better for a long period of time, 
you can't really complain about it that awful much. Nope. You cannot. All right, so we just went back and looked at drafts 2013 through 2016 of the Predators. In future episodes, we'll probably go back a little bit further. But since we didn't have a game tonight, we wanted to introduce something new there. So we want to look at some past drafts. A lot of fun to see how you would change your picks looking back on it. Because, of course, it's not a perfect science. But I do feel like the Preds have done a really good job in the past two or three drafts at really making the smart picks. Now, we can't make a sweeping um, you know, opinion on these picks now because a lot of these players haven't even made it to the NHL yet. But as of now, it looks like definitely the last two drafts, the Preds have made the right choices when it comes to drafting Philip Tomasino, Luke Evangelista, Iroslav Askarov. I mean, they've made a lot of really solid picks in recent memory, even if you want to look at Ellie Tolvanen. Um, I mean, they've, they've done some really good things. So their drafting has been pretty good in recent memory. Yeah. Um, I get more excited for Evangelista every time I see, oh, see yes. him play. That kid is just electric. Uh, he is. He, he's like Philip Forsberg, but faster. Uh, just the creativity wise. Um, I don't know how fast he's going to look when he gets to the NHL against NHL players or even the AHL against AHL players, but just seeing his creativity with the puck and the goals that he scores is just, uh, that kid's, that kid's pretty special. Uh, he's on a really good team. He's the captain of a really good team. Uh, I'm excited for him. Um, I think uh, I think when we talked to On the Future, uh, Eric Eric Denay of uh, On the Future, when we, when he was on the pod, like it was it was a while, it was a little bit ago, a few weeks ago. But uh, when he came on, he said that really the only thing about Evangelista is he might be a little undersized. Yeah, he's NHL small. level, but uh, his yeah. sco- his knack for scoring is just like borderline, like getting like elite level type of stuff. Of course. Yeah, and so uh, it's going to be really interesting to see him and see what he can translate to the AHL before he, because he's going to have to go there first before he, you know, he's not going to go directly to the NHL. I wouldn't think. I wouldn't think so, but I don't think he spends that much time down. Um, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Um, I know another guy that uh, Eric is pretty big on is that Adam Willsby. From uh, uh, defenseman, yeah, the defenseman. I know he's pretty high on him out of that 2020 draft. Um, there's some good players in the system. Uh, I know that I read an article today saying that uh, the prospect pool for the Predators had moved from 22nd rank to 15th or 16th, something like that, in just the last year. Yeah, so uh, I've even seen, I've even seen some. I mean, you see it all over the board, but I've even seen some people rank their prospect pool around top 10, like 10 or 11 or 12, but they're in that range. And all you got to do is go back two or three seasons ago, like the season, like be the draft when they drafted Ellie Tolvin in. If you go back that far, I remember specifically the Preds had one of the worst prospect pools in the league at that yeah. time according to scouts. And you're going to get that when you talk about a team that went all in for a Stanley cup run and was, and you know, like, so it makes sense 
And so now you've seen David Poyle over the last three or four years really heavily invest in rebuilding this team from the bottom up, which is the mm-hmm. right way to do it in the long run. Yeah. Uh, you look at 2018's draft, they had four picks. Exactly. And they You're were not going to do much there. Yeah. And they didn't pick till the fourth round. Yeah. So they gave away a lot of picks. They gave yeah. away a lot of picks, apparently, leading up to that draft through trades and willings and dealings because they were all in, you know, like they had a very top end veteran heavy roster. And that's why you end up in a draft where you don't have a lot of picks. But ever since then, so 2019 to now, they've really, really looking at it right now. They've made some really good picks. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you look 2019 through 2021, they've drafted, I would say, extremely well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they Some guys who could be pillars of your team for decades to go, um, whether it be, and it's, it's a variety of players that they've drafted. Uh, you look from Tomasino and Afanasev and, uh, Simeon Chistyakov, who I still, I can't wait to see him over here and playing in North America. Um, I'm hopeful that could happen. I'd love to see Yuso Parson and come to Milwaukee. Yeah. The seventh round pick from 19. Uh, very good player. You've got Luke Prokop, who is an excellent defenseman. Uh, several just good players. Yeah, uh, there's a big reason to feel really excited about this team. And, of course, we've already talked about it in the last couple episodes. The Preds have a very favorable cap situation as well. So, oh, yeah. to be very aggressive in the open market. So, not only are the Preds completely outperforming season expectations right now with the team they have, but they've got reasons to feel really excited about their future thanks to their prospect pool, and they have money to spend. So there's a lot of reasons to feel good around here right now for about mm-hmm. this team. So it's good times. With that, let's move along in episode 101 of Catfish and Ice with Chad Minton and Kyle Perkins, your host, presented by DraftKings. And let's go ahead and give you a good old-fashioned preview. We don't do it previews because a lot of times our episodes are live during the games. But tonight, it's a non-game night, and the Preds have enjoyed four-day break in the schedule. They've played a lot more games than many of the other teams in their division, so now the other teams are kind of getting caught up with these uh, games in hand. So the Preds have a four-day break. This upcoming month in February, they don't have that many games either, and of course, you have the All-Star break as well. So uh, the Preds are getting ready to have a little bit of a pretty big break here in the schedule. But they've got the Vancouver Canucks coming up on Tuesday night. And they've already played this team twice. They've split the season series. The the Preds won the first meeting 3-2. to I still remember that game very clearly because we did a watch-along on the Hockey Podcast Network's uh, YouTube channel. And boy, was that a fun game to do a watch along for because that I don't know if everyone remembers, but that was the game that Matthew Shane uh, broke loose and scored a big goal on a Demko. And mm-hmm. that go back and look at that highlight. That was like a really exciting, fun game back in 
on November 5th, so the early going of the season. And then, of course, the Preds just played the Vancouver Canucks uh, like a little less than two weeks ago, and they lost 3-1 to one in a game that I felt like the Preds just didn't show up for. I don't know, Kyle, what you remember about that game, but just really was kind of a game that was kind of a snoozer. Not a lot was working for the Preds at all. Uh, Demko made 31 saves on 32 shots, and the Preds went out with uh, David Riddick in that in that game. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the game that I posted the meme of Saskatchewan and said this is how flat the Preds looked in this game. Uh, yeah, it was not a great game. Yeah, they just there was no energy at all, and Thatcher Demko wasn't going to let anything cheat by him, and no. that's you. If you come out that flat against a good goalie, you deserve to lose. Uh, yeah, I mean, Demko, Demko is one of those goalies for sure that very, very rarely, just like UC Soros, very rarely is he going to give up a soft goal. You have to get those high-danger chances to score on a goaltender like Thatcher Demko, and we should expect nothing less than that on Tuesday when we play them again. For the third time, as I said earlier, very, very weird to play a non-divisional team for a third time at this point in the season. It's kind of strange. But these teams got to know each other very well by this point. The Canucks aren't a team that really scares me. I feel like the Preds should be able to beat them if they play their game. I think when both teams play their best game, the Preds are the better team. But the Canucks, man, they are playing with a new sense of confidence right now. They really are ever since Bruce Boudreaux took over. So, I mean, it'll be another really difficult test and it's a team that knows you very well, but you know them very well as well. It'll be a fun game. Yeah, it'll be a fun physical game. Uh, Should have Ellie Tolvanen back. Uh, He should be back from COVID protocol. Uh, That will be a big deal. That's big. Uh, You get... Hopefully it'll be uh, Tolvin and Johansson and Cunning on the line together again. Uh, I think that would be great, um, and that yep. would put uh, Cousins back down with Tomasino. And I I like having that nasty with Tomasino because it kind of takes some, it gives him a little more room to operate whenever he's got somebody that's kind of agitating. Because Phil's not a big guy, uh, he's he's not going to be out there hammering people, so. Yeah. And it's uh, nice to it's really nice to have Soros get a little bit of a break in this schedule. You know. Yeah, he's been earning his keep, that's for certain. And I know he can handle it. I know he can handle it, but not only is he getting all these starts, but in the starts he's getting, he's very almost all the time he's having to make 40 plus saves. So it's not like he's getting any very many starts where he's just cruising. Like every game he's facing an onslaught. So I feel like he's going to come back pretty refreshing and ready to go for this Tuesday night matchup with the Canucks. Uh, I'm not worried about the Preds coming in flat. This team is laser focused. They're, they, don't, they're, they don't strike me as the type of team that's just going to take anything for granted. The only thing they could, I could see this game going sideways on is basically what really undoes them in a lot of their losses is just giving up way too many power play opportunities to the yeah. opposition. 
But from what I understand, the Canucks are not a great power play team. So maybe that, that'll work out in your favor a little bit. Uh, yeah, the, the Canucks are only 18th in the power play. So they're not like some elite power play juggernaut by any means. And the Canucks also have the worst penalty kill in the league. So there really? you go. Yeah, huh. they're 32nd. Yeah, I just looked that up now. I didn't realize they were that bad. That's but, uh, rough. We need to get that's some... weird, right? And... That's weird for a team like the Canucks. You wouldn't expect the Canucks to be that bad, but um, in that department. But yeah, so you've got opportunities there. The Preds are still hanging around top ten in the power play, like all year. They figured out a way to be a top ten power play. So that's that's probably way in to to win this game. But both matchups against the Canucks this season have been a little different. So the first game was back and forth and just totally exciting. This past game was a snooze fest. So we'll see what happens in this one. But if I got to bet some money on it, when you got Demko versus Soros, maybe you can expect another low-scoring game. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. What, you want to give a prediction? A prediction? Let's do it. Let's uh, have fun with it. It's always fun to look back on, even though hockey is so hard to predict a final score, but you know, yeah, we'll have um, fun with it. Since Vancouver played tonight, but they didn't play Demko, I think it will be a 4-3 game and probably overtime or the shootout. And okay. I think the Preds will win this one. Since they lost the last game. All right. I like it. I'm going to go a little bit more confident here. I'm going to go Preds win. And you know what? I'm going, you know what? UC Soros is due for a shutout. Oh, no. You put the juju on him. (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm putting the confidence in him because I love UC Soros and I have faith in him. He's due for a shutout, Kyle. How is, wears... this, how is how is how is UC Soros? And I, I put this, I put the tweet out. I don't know how it went viral, but it, not viral, but it, it got it got a lot of exposure that I didn't expect. I do think he's a top Vesna candidate, and mainly no he's he is he is used so much. He is overly used, and still is putting up elite numbers. And so he is right up there. A lot of I got a lot of pushback uh, in terms of in favor of uh, Igor uh, Shesterkin, which I I totally responded to those people and said I am okay with that. I think it's I'm not against those two. Honestly. Exactly. Those, and there's those two there's, guys you know, right there you, are just next level. Yeah. But uh, the fact that UC Soros does he how many shutouts does Soros have this year? He can't have more than one. I don't think. Uh, maybe two at most. We can find out real quick because the internet's an amazing tool. But, <laughs> but uh, let's see. I should know this off the top of my head. He honestly. has two he, shutouts. He's got two. He's got two. I think he should have more. Like I just feel like he's due for a shutout. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and call my shot. Because sometimes you gotta make, you gotta make, you gotta call your shot. So I'm going a two nothing Preds win. Chad's going out there with the the 
bat and doing the bambino with the left field wall uh and the pit and the pitchforks <laughs> are going to come after me tomorrow on social media if the preds somehow get roasted for like four or five goals i will not hear the end of it nope they will change it's, it's okay. all your fault and talk about you that's okay <laughs> but i put my i'm putting myself on a limb here because i believe in my guy uc Soros. i believe in him i know he's due for a shutout and I feel it coming. He's going to be rested. He's going to be good to go. Give me a UC Soros shutout. And I actually think he's not going to even have to put up 40 saves to do it. The Preds only gave up 24 shots to Vancouver in their last meeting. Now, David Riddick gave up three goals on those 24 shots. But... If UC Soros only has to face that similar of a load, let's say around 30 shots, I like Soros' chances of maybe getting a shutout. I, I so think I'm calling that's my fair. Shot. It's fair. It's, I'm going out on a limb. Anytime you predict a shutout, you're going out on a limb. But I believe in my guy, UC Soros. So I'm predicting a 2 nothing Preds win. Don't at me. Don't at me. <laughs> all right uh all right in in looking at this uh i happen to notice uh sorrows finished 11th in the heart trophy last year i did not even realize he finished in the voting yeah that's yeah he was it, he was number 11 in the heart trophy uh voting last year so that's for most valuable player and i think he should finish higher than that this year <laughs> Yeah, he will, but I mean, it's so hard. It's, for a it's hard for a goalie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anytime you're sharing a league with Connor, I mean, Connor McDavid's not going to win it if his team's not playing better. But uh, Cal McCarr, I got to tell you, he's getting a ton of hype, and he's actually starting to get some Hart Trophy talks too. Okay, but Cal McCarr oh. is a. We had this discussion in the the group chat the other day. Yeah. I think they should have two different defenseman awards. I liked, because, I liked that idea when he said that I did. I mean, name, name the offensive defenseman award, uh, either uh, Ray Bork or uh, Bobby Orr. name it after one of those two guys. Uh, or if you just want to call it the Boston's the defenseman's trophy, uh, I don't care, but there needs to be a trophy for an actual defensive defenseman or slash all around defenseman. And then a offensive defenseman. Just like you have a, the Selkie for forwards for the best mm -hmm. defense yeah. forward, I think it's only fair where you you've got the the guys the two guys from uh, the Islanders that just don't play offense, but they are absolute monsters. You are not scoring when they're on the ice. Uh, guys like that that get no credit because they're not scoring a bunch of points, and that's not taken away from the guys that score a bunch of points god knows we all love roman yossi exactly uh, but he's you know the other style of defenseman is just as valuable in my book i do like that yeah i do really like that idea because and for i mean the game has evolved i mean it's nothing like it used to be and now the norris trophy has basically become which defenseman scores the most points i mean it's really become that basic and it's kind of sad because there's way more to being an effective elite defenseman than just scoring points. 
And I mean, like you just said, we all get lost in that because we love Roman Yossi and, and stuff, but you know, that would be cool to have a, a separate award for each one. Like I, I'm not against that at all, but uh, let's move on here to episode one-on-one. We're going to do our clutch performers a weekend a little bit or here coming up uh, because I've got to list my three and I want to see what Kyle thinks about them. Of course, our, Co-host Rich Howe is actually in Nashville. He came down from the Louisville area. He's going to the Canucks game tomorrow. He's going to share his experience. He'll will retweet all the stuff. He'll be back on Thursday for for the next episode. But in the meantime, we are going to do our clutch performers of the week with Kyle. Kyle's going to give us some of his clutch performers as well. Before we get to that. We got to get ready for the Super Bowl. Of course, we're presented by DraftKings. DraftKings has a great offer for you this week using our promo code THPN. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here in honor of the big game. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. That is the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams. If you predicted those two teams to go to the Super Bowl, then go ahead and private message me and tell me what tomorrow's lottery numbers are. Oh, yeah. Because you know something I don't know. But anyway, the Cincinnati Bengals versus LA Rams, that's our Super Bowl 56. You can bet on either team and get 56 to 1 odds. And if your team wins, $280 in free bets. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code THPN. Get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for a full list of requirements in the state specific responsible gaming resources void where prohibited gambling problem please call 1-800-GAMBLER and of course this DraftKings Sportsbook is also now live in New York meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country now if the sportsbook is still not available in your state play DraftKings daily fantasy football contest for Super Bowl 56 as well and you can get a free shot at $1 million top prize with their first deposit if you're a new customer. And so, yeah, DraftKings Sportsbook app, a lot of fun, especially if you use our promo code, go do Let's go ahead and do our clutch performers of the week. Kyle, how about you go ahead and throw some players out there before I do my list? Uh, first off, I'm going to say uh, a guy who's got, the, got a point in the last two games, and that's Matt Benning. He's got assists in the last two games. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to not use the same guys because we all know Forsberg. You know, everybody knows that. Um, you can use my guys. It's all good. Uh, uh, and then I'm also going to go Luke Cunning, uh, who's started coming along and turning in, turning his season around a little bit. Uh, scored the first goal against uh, Seattle the other night. Um, just. He's being a solid player. A lot of hits, a lot of, uh, a lot of production out of him here lately, and hopefully he gets even better when he gets his line back together. 
because uh, he's been another one of those guys that's bounced around to 18 different lines this year. So, uh, and you're a three. I can't argue uh, one of those. Uh, those those guys are playing like they deserve more money than they make. Philip Forsberg's going to get it. UC Soros deserves it. And Matt Duchesne already makes it, and now he's earning it. So, well, that's my. We only have two on games those. to go. We only have two games to go off this week. So uh, small sample size, of course. UC Soros, I think, has been in every Clutch Performers of the Week list this year. And why wouldn't he be? I mean, he might have missed one list if I had to go back and look. Matt Duchesne is actually making his first appearance, believe it or not, on my Clutch Performers of the Week. Uh, And that's only because he still can be streaky at times. But this past week, in these past two games, he was absolutely clutch in the clutch moments. Matt Duchesne is my third clutch performer of the week with two goals, seven shots on goal over the two games, played over 18 minutes of average ice time, even put up three hits. And he had the best Corsi percentage on the team against Edmonton. So even though the Preds did lose that game in the shootout, that still was a game where the Preds went toe-to-toe with the Oilers. I know the Oilers are – Way underperforming, but they're still the Oilers. And they're still top-heavy. They still have a lot of superstar talent. And the Preds went toe-to-toe with them all the way to the shootout. It's a shame that you had to lose in a shootout in that way. But Matt Duchesne was the most effective player on the ice in that game, along with Philip Forsberg. So that's why I had to put him at number three as far as clutch performers. UC Soros in two starts this week had 77 saves on 81 shots face for a 95 save percentage. And I thought this stat was really crazy. Most of the time, when you see goaltenders who are constantly having to face 40-plus saves, usually you see their record suffer. You, you, you see them take a lot of losses in games where they shouldn't be taking losses because they played great. They made all these saves. Not the case with UC Soros. He is 5-0-2 this season in games where he makes 40-plus saves. Thought that was kind of crazy to see. Yeah, it's pretty astounding, really, when you get down to thinking about it. I mean, his his losses this season are actually – a lot of his losses were, in oddly enough, are in games where he didn't have to make that many saves. It's kind of weird. It's like backwards. Yeah, he, he's – you could tell he learned from Pekka because Pekka always said uh, uh, he plays better when he faces more shots because he doesn't get out of his groove. If he can get in his groove and sit there and be working constantly. And uh, we were talking about draft picks earlier. If you watch uh, Askarov, Askarov will sit back in his crease and not do anything for a good five or six minutes just stand there and then he looks disheveled once he the his full line of Ben Harper defensemen just let whoever through and he gets lit up because he's he's not ready. He's just it's I could imagine it's it's hard to stay warmed up as a goalie mm-hmm. if you're just standing there for true, that yeah. long. Uh yep. UC doesn't have that problem. Like you're he's, almost like you're almost you're almost more um, 
you're more susceptible to giving up that soft goal if you're rusty and you're just kind yeah. of chilling on the other end of the ice, waiting for the action to come back to you. Like that, that makes a lot of sense. Honestly, I've never, I, I've never played goaltender in hockey, so I really can't personally speak to that. But that makes a lot of sense if you just talk about sports in general. Um, if, if you're playing, in, if you're playing any sport. Um, and you're not staying warm and, and and you're not staying in the groove of the game and you're getting rusty or you're getting tightened, you're tightening up because you're not playing as much, then I could see where you'd be more susceptible to making mistakes. I don't see why it would be any different for a goaltender. Think think about something that most everybody's played at one point in their life. Think about ping pong. You're more likely to miss on that first hit than any other hit. You're if you get it served to you and you get, get send it back, there's a good chance that y'all will get in a rhythm and have it going back yeah. and forth and back and forth. That first one is the one that gets you most of the time. Yeah. So, uh, it's same thing for a goalie. It's just, it's not good to sit there and be bored. Uh, so, but go, yeah, but going but into, to, well, we don't have, we don't have that problem with Soros because going into Monday's no. action, Soros has the most saves in the league. He has the most starts in the league, and he's still managing to be right up there with the other goaltenders in terms of your key cat, uh, statistical categories in terms of goals against and in terms of save percentage, in terms of wins, all that stuff. Soros is not being worn down like you would think a goaltender like him might be suffering from with all of his usage. That was the whole point of that, that tweet I put out was that I do think that heavy usage matters uh, because you're talking about a goaltender who has a ton of pressure on him and the weight of his team's success on his shoulders way more so than some of these other goaltenders who aren't being, who aren't having to put together nearly as many starts and they do have a backup goaltender who's playing a lot more. I do think that factor that should factor into it in my book. So that's just kind of was the whole point of that tweet. If if you look at it, uh, Soros has faced right at a hundred more shots than the second place. Uh, that's crazy. I didn't know it was that big of a gap. Yeah, you yeah. uh, see, is at eleven seventy eight, and Connor Hellebuck is at a thousand eighty two. And so. he's another one. Connor Hellebuck's another goaltender that that gets relied on heavily. But uh, again, Igor Shosturkin, I'm not against him. If if he wins the Vesna, and of course we have a whole almost a full half a season left, so this could change. The narrative could change. I'm just saying where we sit right now. If they made the if they awarded the players right now and they gave it to Shosturkin over Soros, I wouldn't be that up in arms for it. Because Shesterkin does have some very astounding numbers as well, and he does have better numbers in some categories than Soros does. Like in that yeah. regard, he does. So I mean, Shesty's, I'm not against that. I'm not. Shesty's a bad dude. He's, he's and then let's let let's go to my top clutch performer of the week. That is Phil Forsberg. I, it couldn't be anybody else this week. Although I did think about Soros putting, being number one and Forsberg number two, but really it's splitting hairs at that point. But I did put Phil Forsberg number one because he had back-to-back games this week of a goal and an assist. It's becoming a regular occurrence. 
It's actually it's actually a little bit more surprising when he doesn't score a goal in a game than when he does yes. score. When he do, it, it's it's become the point where it's a regular occurrence. It's like okay, Phil scored another goal. Like we expected that. Like what else is new? Like it's it's becoming routine for Philip Forsberg to score highlight real goals. And it is a beautiful thing to watch because this franchise has not had this very often in their history. Yeah. Uh, Phil is actually second in the league in uh, goals per game. Uh, Leon yeah, Dreisaitl's first with 0.78, and then Phil is second with 0.69. So that's pretty nice. I think that's pretty good company, Kyle. Yeah, just a, just a <laughs> wee bit. Uh, and then, um, of course, uh, Jay Fresh put out his uh, goals above expected leaders, and Philip Forsberg leads that category. Mm-hmm. I love Jay Fresh. He's my favorite uh, analytical. There's a lot of good ones out there I could list, but Jay Fresh is probably just because I like his graphics and I like a lot of his uh, the way his uh, player cards and his the way he. Puts a lot of stuff, and he's been on the podcast before in the early days. Uh, you get a lot smarter when you talk to him for sure. But I love his player cards and stuff. And he, I'm trying to pull up that list to see what other players are on there. But Forsberg is leading the league going into going into yesterday's action. Yeah, here I got the list right here. So yeah, you got goals above expected leaders January 29th, so two days ago. You got Philip Forsberg. Number two is Troy Terry, who we brought up in the draft classes earlier. Mm-hmm. Then you've got then you've got Cal McCarr at number three. Chris Kreider, Chris Kreider is having a great season. Number four, Brad Marchand at number five. Leon Drysaddle number six. Jared McCann. I'm kind of surprised to see a Kraken player on that list. Didn't expect that. Yeah, that's pretty rough. But Ty- Tyler. Tyler Bertuzzi, number eight. Marcus Felino, number nine. And Andre Borovkovsky is number 10. So, uh, yeah, Forsberg's leading that list um, there. He's, so, uh, yeah. um, he's also – him and Duchesne are both in the top level of goals this year scored in the league. Um, Phil Forsberg is tied with Dylan Larkin and Thomas Hurdle uh, with 22 – uh, right in there with some of your bigger names. Brad Marchand has 21. Philip Forsberg has more goals than Connor McDavid. <laughs> Connor McDavid has 21 goals. Philip Forsberg has say. 22. Um, McDavid also has 37 assists. So that, uh, a lot more points, but Phil's got him on goals. Small victories, small victories. For sure, yeah. It's just crazy. And then, of course, we I mean, we're not going to beat the dead horse because we've probably talked about it at nauseum for the past, like, month. But it's all really they're talking about on Nashville Sports Radio today. I was driving around town doing some errands. And, um, you know, our crew that we love on 102.5 The Game, Willie Donick, all those all those awesome, awesome Preds uh, media team, uh, they were making a, they were having a really good discussion on 102.5 The Game today about Philip Forsberg and basically what kind of what we've been saying for a while now. The team is just going to have to pucker up and pay the man 
I mean, what else can you do? And Kyle, you've been beating this drum for a while. You cannot let this guy go for nothing. You can't. That will be such, that will be, that will be David Poyle's worst decision as a general manager. Aside from Kyle Turris, I will never forgive him for Kyle Turris. Yeah, and he shouldn't be. No. But other than Kyle Turris, I'm sorry. The only other thing I can say is if he lets if he loses Philip Forsberg for nothing, go he needs to not show back up to the office the next day. Yeah. Just uh, just go ahead and turn your keys in and give it to the next person in line to be a GM because that will be such a terrible thing to happen. Yeah, it's just that's not good. That's a, that's a bad look to lose a a franchise guy like that. And if you lose him for nothing, that's that's embarrassing. Uh, I don't really know of a better way yeah. to put it. That so we'll see. We'll see what happens. His value is so high right now, and I mean, yeah. it's only going to keep going up. Most likely, uh, I don't think he's going to be traded. Uh, you got to wait and see if I'm sure David Poyle is working around the clock. It's got to be the top thing on his agenda right now is to figure out a way to get him to resign. But let's be honest. Why would Philip Forsberg be in any rush right now to sign? I mean, and I mean, it, it's going to probably come down to the Preds are going to overpay for Philip Forsberg. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I what think- else can he do? And they're going to have to overpay if it goes all the way out to, free agency you're gonna have to because you see the the freaking oilers just paid evander kane a couple million dollars they're throwing money at this thing like it's going out of style because they can't win uh and if and i mean the preds have the cap room to do it and it's going to come down to if the preds don't overpay him someone else will yes uh and i'm gonna get he's gonna get overpaid by somebody I think what the sticking point's going to end up being is going to be no-move clauses. Uh, David Poole famously does not like giving out no-move clauses. Uh, He is, I think, as of right now, the only one with a no-move clause is uh, Yossi. Mm. Uh, Pecorine had one. Pecca had one. And then I think Duchesne might have a modified one that kicks in at some point. He does some point in his career, but I don't know exactly when that kicks in or not. But you're uh, absolutely right. He doesn't hand him out very often. No. So I'd say that's going to be a big sticking point. There is that no move clause. Cause let's face it. Phil's seen all, a lot of his buddies get sign a contract and go bye-bye here in the last year or so. Uh, lost Arvidsson, lost, uh, Ellis, uh, so I, I yeah, think so, that's going to uh, be the. You're absolutely the right, Kyle. So Kyle uh, Duchesne's no move clause kicks in in 2023-24, according to uh, Cap Friendly, and mm-hmm. the clause details: uh, player submits a 17 no trade list. So uh, that'll be interesting to see when that happens. But um, as of now, at least Duchesne's definitely playing like an eight million dollar player for now. Yeah. Um, you can't argue with that right now. Yeah, I think you, you got to think that Forsberg is going to get at least eight million, 
and that's yeah. like rock that's like rock bottom you know yeah, i would say so uh it's <laughs> it's it's gonna be expensive it's I gonna can't be wait. painful uh, it's gonna be painful but you know what it is what it is you're you're you, this is where you're at with it all right like it, we all know i broke my new year's resolution so um yeah oh we're like talking a, about it even more <laughs> yeah uh you you broke that thing like, like two days later do a diet that's <laughs> that's that's the first time you drove by us McDonald's and you got that McFlurry, pretty some much. fries, and a Big Mac. Pretty much. Uh, pretty much. <laughs> so, <laughs> if they re-sign Forsberg, I, I'm really I really don't like to buy player jerseys like with names on them. I have a Pecorino jersey and I have a generic Preds jersey. I'm not a big fan of putting player names on jerseys because there's no. There's no guarantee that, that player is going to. I would buy a Roman Yossi jersey. I, that's actually my next jersey purchase I want to make. But it's very few players I will trust to put to buy a jersey and put their name on. But if Philip Forsberg resigns with the Preds, I am totally going to get a Philip Forsberg jersey. But he has to resign first. Yeah, that's I, my I pledge. Think- that's my pledge to everyone. I will wear it on the episode when he resigns. But it has to happen. Until then. Can't do it. If uh, if they can get uh, Jano to sign to the uh, the uh, Colton Sisson special, as I like to call it, uh, if they can get him to sign to that kind of contract, I'll buy a Jano jersey. Oh, I'll take uh, a Jano jersey right now for sure. All right, let's do our last topic of the night. This has been episode one hundred and one with Chad Mitten and Kyle Perkins, who's pulling in full time duty tonight with me, and I appreciate him because solo episodes are no fun and it's way more fun to have Kyle with me tonight. Let's do it. Let's do our last topic of the night. That is the NHL all-star weekends coming up. Our, our initial thoughts of the weekend, the skills competition is what really has me intrigued. And of course, let's also throw some love to the captain Roman Yossi, who ends up getting the all-star invite after all with Nathan McKinnon, not participating and so uh, I saw a really uh, good uh, quote from Brooks Bratton saying that uh, originally Roman Yossi was taking the family down to Miami but for the All-Star break, but he decided he would much rather go to the NHL All-Star game in Vegas. So, uh, and it's an honor. Of course, he's a class act. I mean, of course, he's going to say it's an honor. But uh, I don't know. Miami almost sounds a lot more fun to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh. Yeah, I, I believe I'd rather be on the beach than on the strip, but that's myself too. So, uh, but good for him. I'm happy he's going to get to participate because he absolutely should be in the NHL All Star game. And yeah. and Kyle, I remember you bringing up, and I thought this was a good point. It's like the Central team only had one defenseman. Yeah, and it was Cal McCarr. And it's like, how do you not have position limits for each team? Like that makes no sense to me. I understand, and they all have two goalies. Uh, understandably, two goalies yeah. make sense. Uh, that's UC and Cam Talbot from the Central, uh, which makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't understand all the rest of them being forwards except one defenseman that plays forward. Yeah. Uh, um, but it, it'll be fun to watch. I mean, it's it's. It, I, I'm I'm way more interested in the skills competition than the actual game. 
and I really wish they would go back to the old format where the they had team captains and they actually drafted their teams, kind of like what the NBA does. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that's way more exciting for the fans. Like I feel like the All Star Weekend should be for the fans. And what would make make it most exciting for the fans is if each division had a uh, had a captain that they voted on, and that captain drafts their Central Division team or their you know whatever team. Like I think that would be way more exciting personally. Or you have a pool of players. You take out divisions altogether and just have your four captains. And they get to do just like back in the schoolyard like we used to do. And you draft your team out of the pool of players. You know, like I think that'd be a lot of fun to watch live on TV. I would that'd be appointment viewing for me to see who Connor McDavid selects for his team or to see who Alexander Ovechkin takes for his team. That'd be a lot of that'd be entertaining. I'm I'm here for all the OV content. Just, oh yeah. Or I, and, and then back, really going back in the day, it used to be Team World versus Team North America. Yeah, so it had it was nothing about conferences. It was just like your Canadian and U.S. players went against your European, European, and you know your Russian players basically. And then that was you know you had pride involved in that. Like the players wanted to win because they were representing their continent. And it was like those. I mean, why don't they just go back to that? Why do we got to do this? this uh, cheesy central division, like round Robin tournament where it's no one cares about divisions. Like Ooh, no. cent- central division pride. Like no one cares. No, uh, at all. Not even <laughs> in the least. It's like, this is so dumb. The, the game is pointless. And whenever they did the women's three, uh, three on three, that was so much better than the actual all-star game. Yeah, because they were still playing the regular All Star game as five v five that year, and the women's game was so much better, and because they were actually playing for something, they were out there showing their, showing that they deserved to be out there. So, it was a lot better product than the men's games were. Um, yeah. So, uh, have you seen the list of the uh, uh, our sponsors is sponsoring the special guests and the skills competition? Uh, DraftKings. Yeah. Um, so uh, the special guests for the Breakaway Challenge and the uh, one, uh, Jocelyn Lamaru Davidson, she's doing the fountain face off and the accuracy cool. shooting. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Zegris, uh, who cares about him? Uh, he's doing, <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. The kid's I something know. special. He uh, is he's special. doing the Breakaway Challenge, but it's the two goalies for the Breakaway Challenge that are the interesting things to me. All right. And it, they're one of them was an NHL goalie and it is not the one most people will think of. That would be, um, Manon Rayon, who is the first female to play in the NHL. She Very played cool. for the Tampa Bay lightning and she will be in goal for the, uh, breakaway challenge. The That's other, cool. the other goalie, and I, I did some reading, and it kind of shocked me because uh, I know most people in hockey have watched the movie Goon, specifically the second one. The villain from the second Goon movie, uh, Wyatt Russell, uh, is going to be in goal. Uh, a lot of people might know him as a U.S. agent from uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm. Um, so... 
I got to looking into it a little bit. He's an actual goalie and he played for university of Alabama Huntsville. Oh, wow. Okay. So little, little bit. I like a... the special guest. I like the special guest. Um, they're definitely getting uh, creative this year with this skills competition. Like I got to give them, I got to give them extra credit for creativity. This whole uh, fountain face-off challenge sounds very interesting to me. Basically, the players are going to take a little boat in onto this little floating, uh, you know, face-off circle, or whatever, and they're going to have to see who is the fastest to hit these targets. I guess is how it works, Kyle. Um, let's see. Competition takes place in the on the iconic Bellagio fountains. Players will travel by boat to the rink. It says rink in quotations. And are required to successfully shoot pucks into five targets in yes. the least amount of time. I, that's it. I'm all for it. I will totally watch that. I know it sounds cheesy, but I'll watch it. It, it, it looks man. really cool. And then they've got the giant blackjack. Yeah, uh, that's just, I don't know about that. That's That seems kind of. I, I don't your, know. What's your favorite I, skills competition though, man? Like, let's go, like, let's look at the classic ones. Hardest shot. Uh, I remember the one of the first times I ever really got into the skills competition when I first started really getting into hockey was when Shea Weber set the world record for hardest shot um, when at the skills competition. I love the hardest shot. That's probably my favorite skills competition, uh, just because it's just it's very simple but it's effective, and mm-hmm. uh, so that'll be good. Of course, I, I don't know. Do you think UC Soros will participate in the um, Safe Street Challenge? I That'd hope so. Cool. That would I be cool. So. I really like the save streak. I'm a bit of a goalie nerd. Yeah. Um, and I said I was going to talk about it, and I'm going to talk about it. UC Soros got a new set of pads, and it makes me happy. Yes, he's got because the blue they pads. Are, they are solid navy, and I really want him to wear those with something other than just the stadium series. Uh, I w- I'd love to see how they look with the regular home kit. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, back to the uh, <laughs> aforementioned skills contest. Uh the fastest skater is always fun to me. I, I, um, we might see Roman Yossi in that one, and he would have a chance to win too. There was somebody. Uh, it might have been on Thirty Two Thoughts or another podcast I was listening to. They were talking about having a contest for backward skating. Fastest skater, but backwards. I think Yossi would be top five in that. It would be so Preds bad luck though that somehow Yossi hurt gets hurt while he's doing it, and then we lose Yossi for like three or four weeks after the All Star break, and it completely just derails our playoff run. Like I'm sorry, I'm thinking worst case scenario here, <laughs> but when I'm thinking about a skills competition and I'm thinking about backwards skating, I'm like that would totally be on brand for him to somehow accidentally get hurt and he can't play for the Preds. And for a few weeks and then yeah i don't know it makes me nervous but it is a cool idea i don't uh, know if you watch roman roman skates backwards oh, quite a bit at a high rate of it's speed. effortless like i don't even know he doesn't even look human when he does it no not especially not for a guy his size it's i think he's done the fastest skater in the past like if i remember correctly i don't think he's ever won it but i think he's no. done it before that would be that would be something for a defense. And then I know for sure Pekka did the uh, save streak before, and I, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, he did pretty good in it one year. But uh, 
Yeah, that'd be cool to see Soros participate in that. I mean, I like the skills competition. It's a lot of fun. You've also got the shot accuracy uh, skills competition. Um, so, yeah, I'm all in for it. I'm all in for it. I'm glad they're having it. I know some people are a little upset because they're like, you're going to have the all-star game, but you're not going to let the players go to the Olympics. But, and I get that part of it too, honestly, but it's also a very complicated situation when it comes to sending players over to China. And a lot of players are nervous about going over there due to um, all the things that are going on in this world right now. So, uh, you know, the league was going to have the all-star game. They weren't. I mean, it's, I know Gary Bettman's not popular and he shouldn't be. I can't stand the guy and I wish he would step down, but the yeah. league was going to have an all-star break. They were not going to, there's too much money involved. They were going to the have Jersey the sales and everything yeah, they were going to do it. And it's in Las Vegas. They weren't going to lose the chance to do it in Las Vegas, whether it's right or wrong. They were going to have the all-star break. I know it's, I know it's hypocritical to say we're about player safety and we don't want to, but we're still going to do this. I get it, but they were going to do it no matter what. I mean, they oh, were yeah. do it. so um, I would, I mean, I still remember the all-star weekend in Nashville and I mean, that's really when the city of Nashville showed the league that we are a hockey town. Oh, absolutely. That, that was a party. I mean, it was, I couldn't get over it. Like how big of a, of a party Nashville threw for the all-star game. I mean, it was so cool. Lower Broadway was just packed and it was really cool to see a non-football or a non-traditional Southern sport be celebrated like that that week when it came to hockey. That's really when I realized the league needs to understand that Nashville is indeed a hockey town and our fans need to be respected as true, um, great hockey fans, you know? Yep. Um, before we go, I think we need to shout out one of our favorite Milwaukeeans. And that's Connor Ingram. Yes, uh, give him I, a shout out. I just I just now saw that uh, he has been named the AHL Player of the Week, having recorded two shutouts and ninety two saves in his past three games. Point cool. three three goals against nine eight nine save average, two shutouts in three games. That's pretty good work for Connor. I'm really glad to see him doing well. Yep. And can we go ahead and say this right now? As much as I know that I truly feel this way, he he he's fully ready to be the backup right now to UC Soros. Yeah. But I I think it's very beneficial to him right now that he's getting this one last season in Milwaukee to just put out a full body of work, to put a season a full season together, because unfortunately he missed a season with uh not only with the Milwaukee not playing a full season, but he also had some personal battles that he had to deal yes. with. So this is really awesome for him to get a full season under his belt at the AHL level. And you fully expect him to be ready to go next season as UC Soros's full-time backup. Yes, I agree. Um, and I really, I want, I love it that, um, they didn't put him back on the taxi squad. 
Because if you remember, if you read any of the stuff that came out about Connor and the issues that he had, a lot of it all came to a head when he was on the taxi squad last year. And he just, he, he couldn't deal with it. I love the fact that instead of putting him on the taxi squad to be the next man up for Nashville, they kept him in Milwaukee to be actually participating and in games and being the guy there. I think that was such a great move by the organization, and that shows you that, hey, they're caring about this player and his development and mental well-being, and they they know it's probably not a good thing to have him sitting on a taxi squad. Yep. And I've really loved how the organization has been there for him in his personal battles. Um, so big kudos to the National Predators organization for uh, – just being there for in the human element of things, you know, cause it's when it really comes down to it, you got to be there for your players. Cause these players are humans. They have their, 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 their own personal battles, just like we all do. And mm-hmm. so it's great to see a, an organization be there for, uh, for their players. And so that makes you proud to be a national predators fan when you see something like that. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's rare to have it from a team these days that mm-hmm. you can honestly say you're proud of how they yep. treat people. So, yep. That's all right. This has been a lot of fun. This has been episode 101 of Catfish on Ice with Chad Minton and Rich Howe. Rich Howe and Kyle Perkins. Sorry. It's like a script thing. <laughs> it's stuck in my head, man. It's like muscle memory. Rich, I do miss you, man. But Kyle did an awesome job in your place. Blooper reel. Well, we just traded one Kentuckian for another one, so. You're a little bit, you're South Kentuckian though, right? Rich is yeah. more Northern Kentucky. Hey, Rich is Metropolitan Kentucky and I'm Boondock Kentucky. Somewhere Rich, or somewhere, somewhere Rich is watching and he's like, oh, he missed me. He said my name. <laughs> he's so special. Kyle, Kyle <laughs> you've been an awesome co-host tonight. Love doing this with you, and you can come back anytime you want. Of course, you will be back next Monday for first picks. But this has been a really fun episode, of course, and we will get ready for Thursday for a new episode. We'll watch the Canuck, the press play the Canucks tomorrow night. This has been awesome. This has been episode 101 of Catfish on Ice, presented by DraftKings and part of the Hockey Podcast Network. We hope all of our listeners have a really awesome rest of the week. And we will talk to you later on. Take care. Have a good one.